This is Sid Roth saying, Shalom Mishpacha. Mishpacha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishpacha, the family with a Jewish heart. Welcome to today's edition of Messianic Vision and another appointment for you to be mentored to fulfill your destiny with one of our It's Supernatural guests. And now, here's your host for this program, It's Supernatural television producer, Donna Chavis. Well, thank you so much, Sid, and thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Messianic Vision today and joining us for this program. When despair becomes the spirit of the age and hopelessness breeds increasing chaos, how should we as believers, as Christians, respond to that? For these dark times, our guest says that God has given his children a sure anchor and a powerful weapon, and we're going to be talking about that today. He is pastor and worship leader. He's worked alongside churches, ministries, and conferences in cross-cultural and multi-generational settings for the last 25 years. He's also founder of Sound Forgers, which is an organization committed to the release of creative initiatives. I don't really understand all that, but I'm, I'm learning about it, and it sounds pretty exciting to me. His assignment is also including working extensively in the Middle East with emerging underground church networks. I have to say wow on that one. Please welcome to our program, Roland Wharton. Hi, Roland. Hi, Donna. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited about having a discussion today, and welcome to everyone that's listening. Absolutely. We're so happy to have you. And honestly, you sound like a busy man. Uh, I love to stay busy in the kingdom. There's always amazing things happening. So, yeah, we we have our plate full, but it's good stuff. It's good (laughs) stuff. Well, thank you for that. I want to start with you from the beginning, because I know that you said that you'd had a failed recording contract at 17 years old. So you decided, okay, well, I'm not going to get a recording contract. I might as well go to college. You started to college and right away your life changed. Yeah, that's true, Donna. Um, You know, growing up, I was extremely aware of the spiritual realm and the supernatural. Unfortunately, not knowing Jesus, uh, it created an atmosphere that was quite dark and fearful. Uh, But um, yeah, in the first month of of university, in the first month of college, I radically met Jesus through a friend that had been praying and uh, seeking people for the kingdom. So yeah, it was a transformative time. Yes. Now, and who was your first pastor? Yeah, my first pastor was uh, a wonderful uh, woman called Jean Darnell. Uh, who was actually uh, was mentored by Amy Semple McPherson. Yes. Uh, in the early days of the Foursquare movement. Yeah. And so she was actually in her 70s when I came to the Lord and was praying into the university where, where I was. Actually, when we showed up, she said, you know, I've been praying into that university for a year and you're the first students to show up. And so we had an amazing um amazing initiation into the kingdom sitting under her ministry. Right. So I have to I have to believe that with her discipling you and mentoring you, the supernatural is no stranger to you. You you were introduced to that early on. Yeah, absolutely. And as I said, you know, I'd, uh, the, the supernatural realm was very real to me, but uh, outside of, of the Lord and was dark and fearful and, and coming into the kingdom getting to know um, Jesus and um, 
everything made sense to me suddenly. What I'd seen in shadows and darkness now I saw in light because of the Lord. And so, yeah, the supernatural was very normal. Um, I remember sitting around uh, listening to Jean and her talk about the miracles, signs and wonders she'd seen mm. from her teenage years, the miracles, healings that had happened. And, and sitting under that prophetic ministry that she flowed in um, was sort of, I was being uh, discipled, uh, just being in that atmosphere as well as um, was being taught and discipled from the Word. So, yes. And something extremely specific that, that I read that we were discussing, so interesting to me, after being filled with the Holy Spirit, you actually were walking one day through London, a busy, busy mm-hmm. district there, lots of people, lots of things going on. And what happened? Yeah, so um, I, I'd received the Holy Spirit in my bedroom, uh, the, the fullness of the Holy Spirit and my prayer language in my bedroom. I didn't realize what that was. I had to ask one of my friends what just <laughs> happened to me. Uh, so that, that was my first introduction. But yeah, I was walking on the streets of London, imagining uh, being in the middle of the business district. Everyone is walking around very well dressed. And I began to see literal words written on the foreheads of every person that passed me by. Um, I realized that this was something that was supernatural was happening. Yes. Um, but, you know, what I would know now was um, was, I was I was walking in a combination of a seer gift and, and, a, and a word of knowledge and also discerning of spirits, probably a combination of those three. But at the time, I just knew that I was seeing words written on people's forehead. And as I walked past people, Donna, I could get a sense of the atmosphere around them that related to that word. Um, it was very... Um, very eye-opening and very supernatural and very intriguing and probably my first initiation into that um, seer realm uh, with God. Yes. Well, I know as you have progressed and, you know, just followed the Lord and moved on in ministry, uh, you all have so many fabulous miracles in your ministry and you have personally seen many. Uh, Tell us just a few here. Yeah, you mentioned the uh, work with our underground church in the Middle East. And one of the the testimonies and stories in our network is that um, there was a terminally ill boy um, in Iran uh, that was um, in bed, bedridden. And he was watching um, the show. And um, his parents were downstairs also watching. And these were people that would be watching secretly. They were quite wealthy um, and had quite a large home. But uh, their little boy, who they thought there was no hope for, reached out to the television and was miraculously healed and walked down the stairs to them, which he hadn't before, and, and oh. just said, you know, I've been touched by by Jesus. And, and obviously, the rest is, is history. They began to contact some of our friends. and ask what 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 do we do now <laughs> oh my goodness yeah, so, so roland this this young boy was was terminal yeah i believe so yeah wow wow oh and and what about you you said you actually witnessed a, a blind eye being healed yeah i was actually lead, leading worship here in our church in texas and um and one of our leaders had called out a, a word of knowledge that god wanted to heal blind eyes and and we were there um worship was flowing the presence of god was moving and um and a lady began to shout out uh, scream out that her eye had been healed and uh, and so we I, we had uh, one of our team verify and, and look into documentation and and her 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 eye was was medically blind and, and she could see yes <laughs> so yes <laughs> well that's that's pretty exciting i mean that's my, pretty exciting yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's very exciting. I, I know you guys really operate in a lot of the gifts in your ministry. You've seen physical healings, mm. um, healings as a result of words of knowledge, emotional healings, trauma, deliverance, all kinds of things. Mm. Here's something that that's so interesting and intriguing to me. It always fascinates me. And <laughs> I have to say, it makes me a little bit jealous here, Roland. You actually have heavenly visits. Yes, yes, Donna. I, I know we've talked a little bit about that, but um, just, um, yeah, several years ago, probably 15 years ago, and, and I don't talk about it a great deal, but probably 15 years ago, just began to, to receive invitations from the Lord to visit, um, rooms in heaven and places uh in in heaven um with him um these are um sometimes uh revelatory sometimes receive information about geographic areas about events that are going to happen um but really it's an ongoing um unfolding for me um that started with an invitation i was in a meeting with a with a well-known uh speaker that really carries ministers under an open heaven and um i was really caught up into heaven uh, and was before some gates which i was aware of with two large angelic beings two large angels regarding that gate and as i began to go through they stopped me um, and in the visitation i heard the voice of the lord that um, commanded them to, to let me through and as it opened out i was aware of, of, a, of a large room i was aware of of Jesus seated um, and other dimensions of this room and went through a process of initiation. And um, out of that uh, uh, was invited back there several times and realized over a period of time that I was being given keys and access to that room. Mm -hmm. um, and so, um, yeah, it's been an unfolding process for the last 15 years and very, very exciting. Yeah. You know, here's something that, that I love about this aspect of your your ministry and your walk with the Lord, Roland, you had told me when we spoke um, earlier, you had told me that that the reason you don't talk about it a lot is because you don't want to sound flippant about it or to make it sound casual or just like, you know, some casual thing. So yeah. you really hold that in in high regard. You You mentioned one of the rooms, a nation's strategy room. What's that about? Yeah, um, actually, this this room that I was initiated into, Donna, I became, uh, because of, of some of the events and some of the happenings in there, I realized that, that this was a, a nation strategy room. The Lord spoke to me about that. There's a strategy table at which there are various voices and, and people um, sat and making decisions, sometimes observe some of the things that go on there, and sometimes I'm, I'm part of a a discussion but mm -hmm. yeah very very strongly um, feel you know not to be flippant or casual um you know when we talk about being able to go into heavenly places um at will almost you know um want to be very careful with the way that we describe and talk about that you know yes. I, I don't feel like i'm just skipping into the throne room to high five god there's always <laughs> a sense of reverence there's always a yes, sense of absolutely Although there's great joy in his presence, you know, I see lots of joyful things happening there, but it's not, it's not casual and it's not, um, uh, there's a sobriety on me about it. So, yes. yes. I yeah, love the it's, word it's, that you used, yeah. reverence. There's a reverence. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, let's move on. You know, in the midst of many signs and wonders, the Holy <laughs> Spirit has revealed to you, Roland, a powerful message for these coming days. It's a strategy, a surprise weapon, 
accessible to every believer. What are we talking about? We're talking about joy, Donna. Joy. (laughs) That is a surprise weapon. Absolutely. It's a supernatural weapon. It's a surprising weapon. It's a weapon that God wants to put into the hands. Listeners, just those of you that are listening, there, there are, there's a greater invitation in the middle of the chaos. There's a greater invitation for the church to take hold of this supernatural, surprising, abundant, ever-flowing power of joy from the Lord that's available to us. Yes, yes. Ooh, you know what? That makes me excited just hearing you talk. <laughs> about it so so why this book what was the purpose in writing this one yeah you know um i believe that uh, as i just said with so many things challenging the joy Mm -hmm. of of everyday believers there's uh, you know chaos on a on a global scale we don't have to go far to see that i don't have to talk more about that everybody listening is is going to know what i'm talking about but really understanding that it was the church's job to reclaim and rediscover this joy that's available to us in times of great crisis being involved with the church in the middle east i've been pressed up against believers for the last 25 years that maintain hold on to nurture joy as as a necessity from god in the middle of no no matter what is happening. I mean, we have friends that have, uh, family members have been martyred for their faith. We have friends who've been in prison for several years wow. or close friends of ours that we, we get to talk to and touch and be around and be inspired by, uh, but, but, but have a contagious joy. And I think as this, um, as things are heating up, Donna, I just, um, clearly heard that it was time for the church to rediscover and reclaim this ancient power weapon from God, his joy, as part of our inheritance. And and you know what? I know that you conceptualized this book in in 2019, Mm -hmm. knowing that God was telling you, this is something, Roland, that you need to do because we're going to need it for the days ahead. You had no idea what 2020 was going to bring, did you? Uh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. You know, in it's very interesting, Donna. Joy has been a, a part of our ministry for a while, praying for joy, releasing joy supernaturally. And of course, the the joy just as believers, I talked about, you know, being around the underground church. But in 2019, we were not the only voice saying this, but as part of our overseeing prayer and prophetic ministry in our body here, the Lord said that the theme was reset. That was at the end of 18, going into 19, it was reset. And then uh, coming into 20, we went back and and prayed, and the Lord said that it was reset again. And so I had to go to the team and to uh, the rest of our pastoral (laughs) staff and said, you know, I don't know what to tell you, but I'm hearing the same word, and I cannot get off it. It's reset. And they, some of them looked at me like, you know, couldn't you get a fresh word from God? (laughs) Uh, But (laughs) yeah, reset. And so I had no idea in the middle of that, began to, you know, in 2019, conceptualized and began writing the book and actually submitted it to the publishers in 2019 that we should be talking about joy front and center as the body of Christ. So yeah, that was before the pandemic. Yes, yes. So at, at, at that point, people did not know what, what they were facing ahead. I mean, you had no clue, but you did know that the Holy Spirit was leading you to write something that would be a powerful weapon for the days ahead. Whew. Exactly. That, yes. whew, I think that is so strong. Let's talk about a few things in the book, some of the mm-hmm. principles, some of the ideas, some of the things that you teach in the book. And I, I think a good place to start is that that people should know as you teach that joy is found inherently in the Father. Mm. Absolutely. 
You know, Donna, we could approach joy from so many dimensions, and obviously it's the Holy Spirit in us, in us that releases us, it releases it on the inside. Obviously, it's the Holy Spirit in us that releases it to us on the inside. But, you know, I had to go all the way back to the Father. <laughs> um, we would not experience joy today. Uh, we would not experience joy in our world if it wasn't first inherent in the Father. He, he has to, by default, be the most joyful being that ever was <laughs> yes. or ever will exist. <laughs> yes. Well, you know what? I, I think about the word joy. You know, everybody likes to feel happy. Everybody mm. likes to feel good. Everybody just wants to, you know, go through life and things be good and everything. Yeah. But, but, but what you are teaching here, this was amazing to me. It's not just a good feeling. It's not just a nice feeling. It is literally a huge part of our inheritance. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when the Apostle Paul describes the kingdom of God in, in Romans 14. Um, he says that the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And so if joy is a third of the kingdom, you know, it's a description by the apostle Paul that walked with Jesus, uh, walked through the crucifixion, the resurrection, yes. uh, walked through great persecution as a shaper of the first century church. If he's saying that joy is a third of the kingdom, then it's probably wise for us to consider <laughs> uh, aligning with this dimension of the kingdom in a greater way. I totally, I totally agree. You know, I, I love it when I'm reading some of these books and I've, I've studied through your book, your new book here. I've read it. I've looked at some of the phrases over and over and over mm -hmm. again. And, you know, somehow sometimes it'll just pop out at you. And thinking about inheritance and the kingdom of God and what we inherit in the kingdom, it's righteousness, peace. And then that word just popped out at me and joy. <laughs> That's yeah. Not, not just a little bit, not 10%. That's a third of yep. my inheritance. That's a third of your inheritance. If you're listening, just know that is a third of your inheritance in the kingdom. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Donna, I'd want to say to those that are listening today, there are um, just unprecedented things coming against the body of Christ, coming against you. You may be just overwhelmed um, even at the thought of, um, you know, what might be coming. You might be overwhelmed with the thought of what is and your own life, just um, burden. And I just, I just want to say to you that there is a joy that does not have its source in your circumstances, does mm. not have its source even in your own ability uh, to pull yourself up, as it were. But it, it's a joy that is inherent in your Father, your Heavenly Father that created you, that saw you before the beginning, that knows exactly where you are, knows your circumstances, and has provided a joy for you, a joy for you that cannot be taken, a joy for you that will show up, a joy for you that will take its place in your life and have the final word. So just release that hope for joy over you today in Jesus' name. Yeah, thank you, Tana, for letting me do that. I feel so strongly for yes. someone or some people that are listening. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I want you to follow what the Spirit has you to say to those that are listening today, because I feel like this is a word. You know, the, the title of your book, when you use the word surprise, it is a surprise because you think about joy as being this nice, sweet, wonderful thing, which it is, but you're calling it one of our greatest and most powerful weapons, Roland, as we move into these seasons ahead. That's strong. That is very strong. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, 
Nehemiah talks about the joy of the Lord being our strength. And we love to quote it, you know, it's sometimes something we put on our, our fridge, but, but actually um, if, if the Father's released revelation that joy is a great source of strength for us, that the joy of the Lord is your strength, then we um, must make room for it, guard it, cultivate it, allow God to nurture it, release it on the inside of us as a great source of strength for us. So yeah, it is a, it is a weapon, not just a feel-good feeling uh, to sort of lift the gloom off the day. Yes, I, I love this line that, that you said. I copied it and put it in bold in my, on my paper. It's probably gonna, it'll, it'll be one of those that wind up on my cabinet in my office. But, but it says, joy is desire to be an explosive weapon, not merely light relief in the middle of a gloomy day. Joy is a force that galvanizes strength within us. Whew! Yeah. <laughs> that makes me feel kind of powerful, Roland, when I, when I say it like that. Well, I absolutely believe that to be true and believe that the Holy Spirit is getting behind this um, mandate of joy in a greater way because you know again i believe that that uh, the lord releases anointings in every generation to not only handle but to overcome and not only overcome but to thrive and to release the kingdom in every generation so it's not a surprise to him that we are where we are and it's not a surprise to god that we're walking through what we're walking through and i already know that heaven has the final word and that the father's already released provision through the it is finished at the cross and resurrection right and he's released yes. the joy that we are going to need as a weapon for what's yes coming. yes well we're going to take a break in just a second i want to let everybody know about this uh, wonderful resource package but let me ask you one more question before we do you call us brokers. We, we're made to be brokers of, of heavenly realities. Explain that. Yeah. You know, Donna and, and for the listeners, I think what Father has designed us for is so much more than just receivers and receptacles. You know, it, it, it starts with us. We, we have to experience the love of God, the power of God, the joy of God um, as individuals, of course. But then beyond that, um, as we know, we are, we're called to live um, beyond ourselves for so much more than ourselves. The life of a, of a Christian is so much more than just me and what I'm receiving. And I, and I love the way the Father set it up. There's always enough for us and enough mm. for others. So when I'm talking about brokers of heaven reality, heavenly realities, we are, we are to be distributors. Mm-hmm. We're to be not just receivers, but distributors. We're not just carriers, but dispensers by design. And so there's enough for us and enough to give away is what I think I'm saying saying there. And, and you know, Isaiah 61, um, I love the exchange there. We get beauty for ashes, we get joy for mourning. But then it says we become oaks of righteousness. And then even beyond that in verse 4, is really a, a, a crux matter for this book. It says that we are to be rebuilders, restorers, and renewers. Yes. Wow. Restorers of places long devastated, renewers of streets without dwellings. That's a mandate. So we move, Donna, from those that are receivers, those that are, are receptacle, to those that are dispensers and brokers of the kingdom, and that which brings restoration, rebuilding, and renewal for everyone around us in our sphere of influence. Yes, yes. Well, let me take a quick break and let everybody that's listening know what you have prepared, Roland, for this package for them today. And it's your new book called The Surprising 
Power of Joy, and your brand new and exclusive three-CD audio teaching series, and it's called Joy, Your Secret Weapon. Wow. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> as, as you know that listen on a regular basis, Sid will be here at the end of the program to let you know exactly how you can get this. And, and Roland, you know something that I like? We, we normally offer a book and an audio teaching series because I love a book that I can learn from and underline and write notes in and that kind of thing. But I also cannot wait for everyone to hear you teaching these principles, just like you're sitting down and talking to them and talking through this material. It's powerful and it's life-changing. Okay, Roland, you say joy is a choice. Absolutely. You know, um, Donna, so much of our walk with God, as you and the, those listening know, um, is a choice. We have to choose to lean into what has been made available to us. I believe that without doubt um, that joy uh, is available to us in the kingdom. Joy is available to us by the Holy Spirit that lives in us. But we have to choose and choose ahead of time that we are going to lean into and choose joy. Um, so it's, it's absolutely crucial um, to um, make that decision ahead of time. Yeah. Yes. And, and I know with you working with the underground church in the Middle East, who boy, that, that's heavy. I mean, those people who are learning and clinging to the Word of God and God's promises, they have to make that choice ahead of time. What about the young church leader that was actually arrested? Mm. Yeah, um, I'd been training with a group um, in, in a safe country and uh, left them. And uh, on Christmas Day, several weeks later, um, there were a whole group arrested um, in their homes, um, it was a a planned a planned effort, and mm -hmm. um, uh, all of them were interrogated. But yeah, our our, our young leader friend was uh, recognized and identified as the leader of the group, and he spent uh, five years in in prison, one year in solitary confinement, and then four more uh, in prison. So um, quite an ordeal. Yes. Now, and if he was five years in prison. And you, you had the opportunity to see this young minister, mm. this leader. Once he was free, mm. did you know what to expect? <laughs> yeah, you know, I'd been with this leader um, and obviously very mature for his age spiritually and, and a leader, a leader of leaders. But um, after five years in prison, we, we were hearing updates about him and knew that he was doing well, but I really didn't know what to expect. And I had the, the privilege of a few months after he was released from pr prison to be part of a group that met him uh, in, in, in a safe country to meet. And um, I, was, I was not sure, Donna, would he, be, would he be defeated? Would he be the same? Would he be broken? Would he be, uh, would he have... Would he, you know, his faith had been diminished. Would he have lost his faith? And uh, I tell the story, but we gathered a big group of us in true Middle Eastern style <laughs> uh, in a restaurant with uh, an abundance of food, an abundance of laughter, and we waited for our friend. And as he arrived, you know, there were explosions of joy, explosions of reconciliation. I mean, you know, you can only imagine uh, relationships that have been through that depth of persecution, yes. seeing each other again after five years. It yes. was truly a beautiful 
occasion. And so it was wonderful. And as all that died down and he took his seat at the table, I was watching him and his face was beaming. He was shining. Mm. You know, I, I, I think of the story of Stephen whose face was gleaming as he glorified God as he was being stoned. I could literally see um, the, the, the presence of God on the face of my friend. And he told stories of how the Lord had met him in prison. And he truly was manifesting supernatural joy. Wow. Wow. <laughs> he truly was manifesting supernatural joy. Yeah. Wow. I, I love that. There's a section in your book that you talk about joy blockers. I mm. know I, I love this, that you are preparing people, that you are telling people, look, now this is this is what joy is. These are the principles behind it. This is what God has for you. Mm. But you're saying, but you know what? Heads up. Here's some things that can block your joy or keep you from having joy. Name a few of those for us. I know we don't have time to go into a lot of them, but can you just tell us a few of them, what what they can expect? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, first of all, how we see God is is perhaps the most single important issue in our lives. You know, if we see him as a, uh, a mean judge, uh, you know, um, rather than a loving father, th- th- he, I mean, he is the judge of all, <laughs> but, yes. but if, if we don't know him as a loving father, it's going to seriously diminish, diminish our joy. Um, pausing negative thoughts. There's such an opportunity to live with a stream of negative thoughts. And we know the word tells us That's to right. fix our eyes on what is above. So joy, uh, negative thoughts is a joy blocker. Cleaning out habitual sin, obviously, is a, is a, is a huge one. Dealing with offenses, unforgiveness, judgments, inner vows, um, and particular views, you know, of the end times, uh, the, you know, we have a lot going on, but we can get caught in the the impending doom of what's coming rather than our role in the transformation process of the earth that God has us partnering with him in. So those are some of the joy blockers right, that can hinder right. us. Yeah. And I know you go into great detail on these things and, it, and it's almost like a, something that you might not think of. And then before you know it, you know, you're caught up in it and, and this mm. is robbing you of your joy. So yeah. I liked it. I said, oh, you know what? Roland has supplied here. Uh, a few little, okay, heads up, people, watch out for this, this, and this. Do not let it rob your joy. So I absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I love that. Oh. Talk to us about atmosphere. Yeah, um, we have a whole chapter on atmosphere, and I chose to use that word, Donna, just to sort of shake things up a little bit. You know, we, we use the word presence a lot, but I mm-hmm. thought, you know, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> who we are as believers in this world, we are called to release the very atmosphere of heaven, the very atmosphere of the throne room of God around us. And so um, uh, I believe that, uh, as I said before, we're not just recipients of the life of God, but we're those distributors, brokers of of heavenly realities. And I'll just, um, one little story, just quite a simple story, but I was on a flight a few years ago and um, fly a lot internationally, but I was a little... um, uh, selfishly perturbed by a, a baby that was very <laughs> upset in a seat that was very close to me. And I was heading yeah. into a 12 hour flight and I was selflessly um, not thinking about the baby and the mom, but how much sleep I wasn't going to get. Um, and pretty quickly, the Lord, you know, began asking me questions and, and basically said, well, what if you released my peace? Mm. And, you know, it's so interesting, you know, as much as we walked around the supernatural, as much as we've seen things, you know, sometimes we just get self-focused and we get selfish and we need the Lord to kind of wake us up a little bit. And he just said, hey, what about if you released 
my peace and you do something about this. So, um, you know, I just sat there for a second and just said under my breath, you know, release the peace of God. And the baby just began stop crying immediately. Uh, and, and the child settled and, and every, you know, 15 or 20 minutes ago, the baby would cry again. And I just released the <laughs> peace of God again and it would settle again. And soon the baby had the most peaceful and restful flight. And so did I. So, um, you know, releasing the atmosphere of God's very practical and, um, and very real. And, and I think the Lord invites us into kind of experimenting with it, if you like, um, Joy is certainly an aspect of that. I believe we can release the joy of God into uh, any situation we find ourselves in right. uh, as brokers of heaven. Right. And and that could work with any atmosphere. You were actually in a closed quarters atmosphere there that was going to be disturbing your peace and your sleep. And, <laughs> and you did that. But that could work with any kind of an atmosphere. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Donna, one of the things I talk about in Joy Blockers, actually, is the gift of discerning of spirits. Mm -hmm. And I think the gift of discerning of spirits is one of the least understood gifts. And, and we can often just narrow it down to identifying demons. But actually, it's so much more than that. You know, really, um, as many of the listeners would have heard from different sources, but it's really about even discerning the the very atmospheres that the Holy Spirit is bringing in a healing atmosphere, a healing anointing, a, 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 an atmosphere of revelation. So, yeah, I believe we can, we're to, we're to interact with the spirit world as, as God leads us under the Lordship of Christ, but to actually change atmospheres that are contrary to him. Yes. There's darkness, there's um, unbelief, there's terror, there's fear. Fear is a huge atmosphere. We just walk around the grocery store right now uh, in any of your cities and fear exactly. is in the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. What is if believers filled with this joy and peace, we were leaking <laughs> the very atmosphere of heaven that could stop and um, change the atmosphere around us. Yes, the the, the media, if anybody watches uh, or listens to news, there's, yes. there's so much that is uh, feeding into the atmosphere wherever you go. So I, yes. I love this teaching, I love it. Uh, let me ask you about this one. You love to talk about Psalm 2. Yeah, uh, it's one of my favorite psalms. <laughs> um, we were involved for years with a house of prayer in London that actually um, met and, and legislated and prayed into Parliament and to the things that were passing in Parliament in London. And it was a very exciting time. And, and during that time, my wife and I were really mentored into this in this whole idea of legislative governmental mm -hmm. prayer and, and, and legislative um, prayer uh, uh, for things outside of ourselves. And so Psalm 2 became a huge part of my life. But as I was researching this book, and, and I've taught on Psalm 2 many times in settings of worship and to worshipers and to intercessors, but as I was researching this book, you know, I'd read it a hundred times, but in the middle of Psalm 2, it says that the nation's rage and God laughs. Mm, yes. And um, <laughs> and this struck me that in the middle of this psalm that I've loved, that's full of God's government, it's a psalm that nowhere speaks to the Father. It's a psalm that speaks from heaven to earth in its entirety, if you study it. And in the middle of it, it said, God laughs. And so I, I think I'd missed the joy factor mm, in this yes. psalm before. And so... Um, so it's really, really exciting, yeah, that, that somehow, um, how did the Holy Spirit put it to me? We started talking to me that, that this is the nation's rage and, and 
but but underneath the laugh of the father, um, the rage of the nations receives a boundary. Uh, that was powerful to me as I began to study and think about that. Yes. So it's just amazing to me, Donna, that in the context of the father's laugh, the rage of nations receives its boundary. Yes. That was just astounding to me as I began to see that. And, you know, I think the world has seen a, a principled church, a hypocritical church at times, a preaching church, a caring church. But but what what is a 21st century church supposed to look like? I think it's, it, it's a joyful church that loves sacrificially walks in the power of heaven, brings solutions to problems that people cannot fix. A church full of people who are unmistakably marked by the joy uh, and the bliss of the Father, uh, unapologetically loved, unreasonably joyful, remarkably generous. I think I think a world's waiting for a people like this. Yes, yes, absolutely. And you have a couple of testimonies that, that are related to this, to this Psalm 2. And one of them was about an assignment, a prayer assignment that you had a, a while back in Israel. Yeah, that's right. Um, I was in a conference setting with a, uh, a well-known Messianic leader that was a friend of mine. And while they were ministering, I was caught up in an experience um, where I, I, I saw myself singing in Middle Eastern languages, uh, in, in Farsi, the language of Iran, in Israel. Um, I, I didn't specifically see the context specifically, but I knew that there was assignment where I had to go into the land as a representative, as, as a son, if you like, as mm-hmm. a son of uh, who'd served Iran, but going in in submission and worshiping the God of Israel, <laughs> our, our, our Jehovah, um, in the land of Israel. And, and so I came out of that visitation, I shared with the leader and and, and Donna, several years later, I, I held that and prayed about it. Several years later, um, Iran was threatening Israel militarily uh, and it was getting pretty heated. And the Lord took me back into that visitation and said, now is the time for you to go. And so I, I was on uh, an international trip and I, I arranged my tickets so that I could go to Israel. And I went on a, on a prayer Uh, assignment for several days around Jerusalem and Israel was beautiful but a particularly significant moment was I was asleep uh, in my room one night while there in Israel and uh, I'd done up to that point what I felt the Holy Spirit said to do but I woke up with my bed um, literally physically shaking and at first I thought it was a dream, but realized pretty quickly that it was physical and, and wondered actually if it was some sort of earthquake that was happening, but it was not. My bed was literally being shaken, awoke. And, and so I quickly realized what was happening. And there was a sense of the presence of the Lord and the fear of the Lord was on me. And, and I you know, asked, Lord, what do you want me to do? Uh, and um, he spoke pretty que- clearly that that was the day I was to do Psalm 2. So I, I know what the Lord's saying when he says that to me, we're, we're going to do Psalm 2. And as I explained to you, we were um, around legislative prayer and around um, governmental prayer. And so uh, I went to Jerusalem to some key spots there and, and made some declarations from Psalm 2. And, um, you know, I was not the only one praying, obviously, and to claim uh, that I was would be foolish. But there were lots of people praying. But, you know, that attack dissipated within several days and disappeared. And so I know uh, that the Lord loves to wake us strategically within our spheres of influence. And, you know, I didn't assume that I was to take myself off on an assignment like that, but 
I think through supernatural confirmation and through having served the church in the Middle East for so many years, I felt like there was a, I was within my sphere of influence to do what I was being led to do. And uh, so it was, it was a very exciting time. But yeah, that was the Psalm 2 story of a prayer assignment in Israel. <laughs> now, when you say you were to do, you knew you were to do Psalm 2 and you, you went out, you visited some people, you made some declarations according to the psalm. What else does that psalm to include? Yeah, um, obviously we have the nations raging. And so I made some declarations out of Psalm 2 relating to what was happening in the Middle East at that time, Iran and Israel at that time. But I think for our discussion today, what I want to pull out, Donna, is that um, it says that sons are to ask for the nations as part of their inheritance. Uh, in Psalm 2. And I think that's beautiful. Um, why do I say sons? We just says, ask of me and I'll give the nations your inheritance. But we know that it's only sons and daughters can ask for an inheritance. So as those that are his, we get to ask for the nations. And that's what I was doing um, at that time there in Israel. But if we just tie this in that underneath the laugh of God, sons and daughters can ask uh, for the nations as their inheritance. It's just such a beautiful picture to me. Uh, that, that those in him, we get to live under this incredible, um, joy-filled father who invites us into places with him in our everyday lives, uh, in our families, or whether we're in the nations praying for Israel and Iran yes. to be at peace. Yes. He leads us, and we just get to say yes, and as sons and daughters um, get to ask him yes. uh, for our inheritance. And this works for individuals as well. Absolutely. Yes, yes. Tell us about the woman that you were ministering to. Yeah, yeah. I think um, we were in a free flow meeting with worship, and I was uh, speaking and ministering and praying for people that night and uh, had some people come down to the front that were struggling with depression. And I didn't know many of the people. It was, you know, sort of a crowded time of, of laying on of hands and, and praying. And there was one woman, as I began to pray for her, just got hit with the supernatural joy of the Lord. And I've seen this many times. I myself have experienced some of you that are listening. And if you haven't, I'm going to say to you that, that there's a there's a uh, an encounter waiting for you very soon with the <laughs> supernatural joy of the Lord. But this lady just got hit with the joy of the Lord. And she was belly laughing for, for probably 40 minutes underneath the power of God and um, got up changed and, and wrote to us afterwards and said that she had been um, just living under depression, uh, uh, medically um, treated, medically diagnosed depression for many years and that she'd been absolutely, totally and completely set free through that encounter with the joy of the Father that night. So absolutely transformed. So thank you, Lord. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Well, once again, let me tell you that are listening quickly that uh, Roland's new book, The Surprising Power of Joy, is our resource offer today. And he's also including a brand new and exclusive for our It's Supernatural and Messianic Vision audience, a three CD audio teaching series called and I love this so much, joy, your secret weapon. I want to talk about one last thing, and then I'm going to have you pray for everyone before we leave, Roland. Sure. Invincible joy, that, that pattern that you say is in Scripture that links joy to victory. Absolutely. So just as we've discussed, joy is available to us as an, as an individual, and it's available to us to, to give away. 
um, and we've talked a little bit about the joy of the Lord equal in our strength, but joy is to be this invincible weapon. There's an incredible pattern in scripture linking joy to victory. And of course, we love in our lives when we get to overcome something. There's something built into us that um, we're made to overcome darkness. Um, but we are hardwired to overcome as God's image bearers, you know, uh, and there's a release of kingdom purposes that we need to be about in these days. And uh, that joy just resonates in him. Joy is is our strength. It is an offensive weapon. It carries the power to heal, to overturn darkness. And uh, we're just to receive it, Donna, we're to live in it. And it is an invincible force. It comes from God himself. It's an inherent part of who he is. And um, it's joy unstoppable, joy unspeakable. Uh, it, it, he's already defeated everything through the it is finished of the cross and resurrection and we get to live in that invincible victory and that invincible joy available to us available through us uh to wherever we find ourselves it's an amazing life we get to live amen amen roland thank you for being with us today i want you to pray before we leave and i know that you carry and live in and have already made that choice that joy is the way that you will live your life and that you have received joy would you release that to everyone that's listening before we go it's my pleasure i would love to do that so those of you that are listening i just want to ask you if you can wherever you are just to get into a receiving posture you know i don't have anything to give you but there's one who does and he lives in you and around you and has known you and he wants to release joy fresh joy to you today so father i thank you i thank you for the joy that's inherent in you the atmosphere that we are created and designed to live in in you father i thank you you are taking each person that's listening to a higher level to another dimension of joy that is found only in you. The Father, I thank you that you're releasing through them now an invincible joy that not yeah. only uh, comforts, Lord, and brings personal joy to them, but an invincible joy that moves through them in ways that they've not seen or known before. Father, it's a joy that causes them to be brokers of heaven. It's a joy that causes them to be rebuilders, restorers, and renewers, yes. Father, of everything around their life that does not look like you. And so, God, I thank you that you already have an answer for the chaos, for the darkness, for the confusion that is trying to have the final word. And we say, God, you have the final word. Lord, the it is finished of the cross and the incredible resurrection. And the name above all names has the final word. And so I just say, Father, thank you for a deluge of supernatural, yes. surprising, powerful, invincible joy, just breaking over every person that's listening. Thank you for rivers of living water that you said would flow from within us, rivers of joy that you said would not only flow within us, but out of us and to others. Lord, you were the greatest joy giver, Jesus, the greatest joy dispenser that ever lived. I thank you that, Lord, you make us not just joy receivers, but incredible joy dispensers. And I just bless everyone on this call. And I say that may earthquakes of joyful change happen wherever <laughs> you walk, just like it did with Jesus. <laughs> In yes. Jesus' name, yes. amen, amen, amen. Amen. Roland, thank you for joining us today. And I just want to say thanks to everyone that's tuned in with us today and spent this time with us. And now here's Sid Roth to tell you how you can get Roland Morton's new book, The Surprising Power of Joy, and his brand new and exclusive audio teaching series called Joy, Your Secret Weapon.
Sid? When despair becomes the spirit of the age, hopelessness breeds increasing chaos, how should Christians respond for dark times like these? God has given His children a sure anchor, a surprisingly powerful weapon. And you should be surprised over this. It's joy. In his new book, The Surprising Power of Joy, Roland Wharton teaches you how to walk in a contagious spirit of joy that releases heaven's atmosphere into your world. You will discover the powerful impact that joy can have on your everyday life and even disable and disempower the spirits of despair and hopelessness and darkness. It's time to witness for yourself the supernatural and surprising impact that walking in spirit-empowered joy will have on your life, on your family's life, and in your whole world. Don't wait. Call now for Roland Morton's new book, The Surprising Power of Joy, and his brand new and exclusive three-CD audio teaching series, Joy, Your Secret Weapon, for an investment of 35 U.S. dollars. To order, call 1-800-447-2697. That's 1-800-447-2697. Or go to our website at sidroth.org, S-I-D-R-O-T-H dot O-R-G. Be sure to ask for offer number 9770. Once again, that's offer number 9770. 